Well, good morning again, and welcome to First Baptist Church. If you're just joining us online, we're happy to have you with us. You can find the notes for the service at a website called faithlife.com slash Baptist. And all of you that are here with us in the room, you have a bulletin, and in there is an insert page with a place to take notes, maybe jot down some thoughts as we're going through. If you didn't pick up one of these books on your way in this week or last week, please do that. It's called The Heart of Christmas, and it's the theme for our Advent series this year. It's a 25-day devotional for individuals or for families. And the only difficult thing is Sundays kind of fall in the middle of some of these weeks. So I got caught up last week so that I was um, in sync with leading up to peace. So this week, if you wanted to start on day 15, even though tomorrow is the 11th, you would be starting the week uh, leading up to the Joy series. There are also uh, little square invites out there, and you can take those and invite some people, bring some people along with you. We'd love to have uh, your, your family and friends here too. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week, uh, the Lord gave me strength to make it through the sermon with a rough cold, and this week it's just the tail end of it, so uh, those of you in the front row, I won't cough on you, but just pray for my throat and my voice through the remainder of the service this morning. We've been discovering the true meaning of Christmas, looking at what's at the heart of Christmas. We have beautiful decorations, we have amazing music, we've sung songs that have been sung for hundreds of years together by the church. And we love buying presents, we love running around and doing all the things to get ready for Christmas, but sometimes we can lose the heart of Christmas. And so as we come back to Advent each week, we're, last week we remembered hope as we were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, and this week we're looking at the theme of peace. We can see from God's faithfulness in sending His Son, Jesus Christ, that we can always trust in Him and we can always have hope no matter what is going on in our lives. So today, we look at God's offer of peace. Do you know what word the Jewish people use as a greeting? Shalom. It's there on the screen. It's the Jewish word or the Hebrew word for peace, but it's much more than just peace be with you. People would say shalom as a greeting, and they also say shalom as a farewell. What they're actually saying is, may you be filled with complete, perfect peace and be full of well-being or health. May prosperity, peace of mind, and spirit be with you. And in the Hebrew, the word shalom comes from the root word shalom, which really means perfect and full. According to Strong's Bible Concordance, it means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. God's shalom for the world is fullness and perfection. It's an overflowing inner and outer joy, being fully and totally content in Him. 
In the very beginning, when God created this world, he created this universe, it was in a state of shalom. Everything was complete. Everything was full. Everything was perfect. And that's the world that he brought Adam and Eve into. He introduced them into his perfect peace. The infinite creator of all things was in complete communion with his created beings. And yet, we learn right in those first couple of chapters that Adam and Eve were not content with God's fullness. They couldn't find that rest, that peace, because they wanted more. And that shalom was broken by sin. It cast the world into a place of brokenness. And the fallen world that we live in today, with its violence, with its heartache, with its pain, with death, all of these things are visible results that shalom has been lost so long ago. But there's good news. Right there in the beginning, God said, I will begin to restore things. And the good news of the nativity, the advent, the coming of the Son of God, is that there would be return of peace. I hope you noticed in our songs this morning the theme of peace showing up over and over again. And it's not just the quiet of a winter night where we see the starlight or maybe listen to the snow falling. It's a peace with God. And that's so much stronger than just peace with what's going on in your home because Christmas is not often a time of peace. If you have kids in your home, if you have grandkids, if you have relatives coming over, the peace is very soon broken. And we have to remember that it's not just that quiet, but that it is something deeper with God. The Christmas story, as it's told in the Bible, begins with an unlikely group of people. The first announcement of the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem was given by a multitude, many, many heavenly angels, and it was brought to a group of shepherds who were out in the field watching their flocks, keeping them safe by night. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Shepherds in the first century were individuals who existed on the fringe of society. They were considered stinky. They were dirty. They were untrustworthy. Their word was not admissible in court. People didn't trust that they were upstanding people because they were given this low job. Even the great King David, as the youngest of the sons, was the one sent out into the fields to be the shepherd. They lived outdoors on their own for months at a time. They traveled with their flocks. And it would have been shocking for the readers of this book of Luke that they were the people that God chose to entrust with such an important message. And that message is that God's peace 
is for all people. The angels first had to calm the fears of the shepherds by telling them, don't be afraid, don't be terrified, because you've just seen an angel face to face. This may change your view of the fat little babies playing harps. I have some of those little Victorian angels on my Christmas tree in my office, but that's not what angels really look like. Every time someone encounters an angel, they are afraid, they're terrified. These are truly amazing creatures that God created, not only to praise him in heaven, but to be messengers here on earth. And the message they brought was good news because the baby that had been born was the long-awaited Messiah, the one who was promised long ago by Isaiah the prophet to rescue God's people. He was the prince of peace. The angels told them exactly where they would find Jesus. And before they left on their search, a heavenly host, that means a whole lot of angels, shouted or perhaps sang from the sky saying, glory to God, peace on those who God's favor rests. Jesus was ushering in God's peace. He was beginning to restore shalom. In the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, God promised, and in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Messiah would come through Abraham's family and would bring blessing and shalom, not just to the people of Israel, but to all the world. God's chosen people were there to show God's glory to the nations. God wasn't choosing them alone to be saved and to be blessed. He was choosing them to be his spokespeople, a living example of what a life honoring to God looks like, one who obeys God, one who worships God. And that's what we're called to as a church as well. We're not called to just be God's special people and to keep it to ourselves, but we're supposed to go tell it where? On the mountains. In a survey, nearly one-third of the people questioned about who they identified with in the Christmas story. Most people identified with the shepherds. Maybe that's because most people get to play a shepherd at some point in their life. They're cast into that group with the robes and you get to be a shepherd, but it's because the shepherds are the ordinary people. They're the average people, and they were invited to meet the king of kings. They were the first to share the good news with others. And it's really amazing that when God announced the arrival of his son, the long-awaited Messiah, he didn't do it in the presence of kings or queens. He didn't go to the religious elite, to the high priests. He went to the poor, to the forgotten, to the social outcasts. And that really is good news because God's favor was offered to the shepherds. And surely God's favor and peace is available to us as well. God's love is always unconditional, and he offers it to all people. Peace with God really is this world's greatest need. If we were to sit down and think of what we could do to fix the world, you might come up with all kinds of social programs and think about feeding people and providing water and all of these things. But at the core of it, it's peace with God that's the most important thing that people need. Excuse me. From the time that sin entered 
this world and affected all of creation. We've been at odds with God. Romans 5.10 says that we're enemies with God and in rebellion against his rule and against his reign. But sin didn't just stop there. It caused us to be in conflict with one another and within ourselves. That's why Jesus' birth was and is such good news. It's the ultimate answer to the brokenness that exists because of sin. Brokenness between ourselves and God. Brokenness between ourselves and the other people around us and within our own hearts. This is the way Paul put it as he wrote to the church in Colossae. Paul was explaining the part that Jesus plays in making peace. I'm in Colossians chapter 1. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. What's the fullness of God? Shalom. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. To understand the peace that ushered in Christmas time, we have to understand that although Jesus arrived in a cradle, in that quiet manger that we picture as such a peaceful moment, He had to lead a life that led to death on a cross. Jesus intentionally lived a perfect, sinless life and willingly offered himself through crucifixion, the most difficult of deaths. And this passage tells us that it's not just God loving everybody, but it's Jesus' blood which was poured on on the cross that makes peace for us. The Son of God had to sacrifice, had to give up his own life so that we could have that peace with God restored. Jesus' sacrifice pays for the sin that we've committed. It appeases God's anger towards sin, and it destroys the power of evil in our lives. Being reconciled to God is the key to experiencing peace in every other area of our lives as well. So first of all, we have to be reconciled to God. Jesus, as this passage said, is the fullness. He's the shalom of God. And when we receive his gift of forgiveness offered by faith, we become children of God. And through his Holy Spirit, he provides us the power to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. We can navigate the difficulties of life and we can find peace in no matter what situation we're facing. Many people believe that being a good good Christian means that you're never again going to face any problems. But this is simply not the case. That is not the truth of the Bible. Peace isn't an absence of conflict. It's not a removal of all problems. But instead, God's peace is his presence with you and going through those difficulties with you. The peace offered to those on whom God's favor rests does not equate to the absence of all conflict. We may still have circumstances in our life that don't go our way, challenging relationships, but what it does promise is that God's presence with us means that there's nothing we have to fear. We talked about the hope we have in Him because He is always faithful. And when He says, I'll be with you 
always, even to the end of the age, means we're never going to be alone. We can go to him for guidance. We can go to him for strength. We can trust in him. We can lean on him when we're weary. And we can bring him all of our worries, all of our cares, because he said, I care for you. I care about you. The God of the universe cares about what's going on in your life. We see on TV and in movies often people stopping and saying, oh God, I don't want to bother you with this. And that may sound funny, but God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from his children. He wants us to bring all of our worries, all of our cares, and of course, to bring our thanks and praise as well. Let me read Ephesians chapter 2 for you as well. Ephesians 2, 14 to 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Every past mistake, every struggle, every worry for the future is met with the love and peace and grace of God. We can also make peace with others because God has forgiven us. When we recognize the grace that he's given to us, our hearts are transformed by that grace to show others. As we're moving closer to Christmas and the Advent calendar and the Advent wreath is helping us do that, reminding us of the arrival. Jesus' first arrival was bringing God's light into the world. So if you can picture that one of those peaceful moments when the kids are to bed, when your relatives have gone home, and you can just sit on the couch, and you have only the Christmas lights on, and just think of that moment of peace and quiet. Maybe there's snow falling outside the window. If, like me, you like the snow, maybe you close the blinds so you don't see it. But you have that moment, the glow of the lights, and that's the glow of Emmanuel. God with us, washing over us. That was one of Jesus' names, God with us. And Jesus brought light into a dark world. That's why we have Advent candles. That's why we have twinkling lights on our tree. That's why we enjoy the light that has come into the darkness as reminders of God's love coming to us. At Christmas time, we also make note of another Advent that is still to come one day in the future. Jesus will return and he will continue making things right. He brought peace to the earth. He brought peace with God, but there's still not complete shalom in our world. We still have strife. We still have brokenness. We still have sin affecting our earth. And once again, that perfect shalom is going to fill the earth. God's peace covers our past. It meets us in our present and it promises us a future. For most people, life is a constant struggle, trying to find our purpose, trying to find fulfillment, looking for love, looking for some kind of stability, for acceptance, 
for hope for the future? Do I have enough stashed away for retirement? Am I going to be taken care of if I become sick? And most of us look for those answers in all the wrong places. When we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, we can enter into rest from all of those struggles for the remainder of our lives. It doesn't mean that those struggles go away, but we have peace in them because we rest in our identity, not as a father, a mother, a lawyer, a teacher, but we rest in our identity as a son or daughter of God, his child. We rest in his eternal love. Instead of trying to find someone who loves us as much as we love them and trying to show that love, we can rest knowing that God's love is perfect. God's love is always waiting for us. It's always drawing us closer to him. And it's totally unrelated to what we do and how we love him. His love is unconditional. We can rest in his powerful grace instead of needing to prove ourselves, instead of needing to try to do more, not only for the people around us, but thinking that we have to do something to make God notice how good we're trying to be. He says, just rest in my grace. I've done it all for you. There's nothing in salvation that we do. We just recognize what Christ did for us. And then we can rest in God's constant presence and his faithful provision. We don't have to worry. We don't have to strive over, are we going to have enough to feed our kids? What are we going to do for the winter? What are we going to do for the next season? God promises to take care of our needs. He doesn't say he's going to make us wealthy and prosperous, but he says he's going to take care of our needs. So we can rest in him for those provisions, and we can rest in him that he's going to be with us all the time. And finally, his patience and his forgiveness, knowing that no matter what we do, that he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us when we confess our sins to him. His mercies are new every morning, so we can rest. And finally, we find that peace becomes our purpose. What the world needs more is not love, but what the world needs more is people with peace, the peace of God in their hearts, people who are willing to share that peace with others. It's not optional for us to embody this peace. It's an expectation that Jesus gave of his, command, of his followers, joining together with other believers to show God's glory, including his shalom, his peace, is the purpose of our lives. In fact, Jesus spoke to this in the middle of his most famous sermon, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9. You're going to recognize this verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The angels told the shepherds that peace was available to those on whom God's favor rests. And Jesus said something very similar in this passage when he stated that peacemakers will be blessed and they'll be called the children of God. When we're willing to seek reconciliation with others, when we're ready to fight 
for harmony rather than sowing dissension, when we're identified with the heart of God who longs to see the world reconciled to himself. We look like the Father and we're recognized as children of his family. When we find peace at the heart of Christmas, it's because God desires us to be in a right relationship with him and also with others around us. It's the very reason that Jesus came to earth. I'm going to turn back again to Colossians chapter 3. Part of the passage that Haley read for us. Listen to this command, these directions. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on what? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. God invites you to have peace with him, and he wants you to show that peace and to have peace with others. When we put on the fruits of the Spirit and we wrap them all up in a beautiful Christmas ribbon of love, then God's peace will rule our hearts. Would you say that peace is what's ruling your heart this morning? Or is it something more selfish like your own happiness? So many times I've heard people say, but God wants me to be happy. I have to do this thing, even if it's against God's word. I need to break this relationship. I need to go get that for myself because after all, doesn't God just want me to be happy? If you can find that verse, call me during the week because I'd like to see it. According to verse 15 here in Colossians 3, we're called to be together as a church body and to let peace rule our hearts. And when God's shalom rules our hearts, we don't have to look out for ourselves We don't have to make sure that our needs are met first. We don't have to promote ourselves to make sure other people are noticing all the things we're doing. We don't have to work to try to please and impress others. You don't even have to try to be perfect to get God's approval because grace is what saves you, not your works, not your deeds or your actions. You don't have to hold on to deep hurts and rejection. Instead, you can be compassionate, you can be kind, you can be humble, you can be meek, you can be patient, and you can help others with their burdens. When you see other people struggling and they don't have peace ruling in their hearts, you're able to turn your thoughts and your care and your effort into helping and encouraging them. We can easily forgive because we appreciate just how much God has forgiven us. We can truly love others unconditionally as God loves you when it's his peace ruling in our hearts instead of us trying to rule our own hearts. There are many people who just don't value peace in their relationships, and you can think of people like this, don't say their names out loud, but they live in a constant state of conflict. It seems like they're just looking for a fight because 
They're not in one currently. It reminds me a little bit of what Linus said to Charlie Brown in Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown was having trouble getting into the Christmas spirit. He was talking about commercialism. This is back in the 60s, right? And Linus says, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Unfortunately, that's the outcome for a lot of people. They believe that Christmas is about things other than hope, peace, joy, and love. So be careful. Be careful that you don't let the traditions, even though they're good, you don't let the family gatherings, you don't let the busyness, you don't let the outdoing your sister come before being a peacemaker and a peace bringer. This Christmas, may we be people who embrace the gift of God's shalom, his perfect peace, his fullness, offered to us through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross so that we might live in a relationship with him. Over and over again in those passages that we read, it said it was through his flesh that peace was attained. It wasn't enough for Jesus just to show up in the manger, but he had to die on the cross. And that's what paid the penalty for our sins. That's what gave us the ability to reach out and say, yes, I want that peace with you, God. Please forgive me. We can have a right relationship, not only with God, but with those around us. So a couple takeaway questions just to think about on your drive home today. Definitely stay for the coffee and treats, stay for Sunday school, but maybe you want to think about these and talk about these later. First of all, have you been reconciled to peace with God? Have you experienced his fullness, his shalom, his completeness in your life? The only way to peace with God is confessing your sin, accepting Jesus' death on the cross as payment for your sin, for your forgiveness, and then asking Him to be your Lord and Savior, asking Him to reign your heart instead of you. If you've never had that conversation with God, if you've grown up around church and you've grown up around Christmas and you would say, oh, I, I believe in Jesus, I love the Christmas story, but you've never taken the step of saying, God, Forgive me for trying to do this all my way. I want to turn a new leaf. I want to give my life to you. Then that's a step that I would love to take with you this morning. You can come talk to me down in the front or out in the lobby. If you're watching online, you can contact me through the church website. There's information about email and phone numbers there. But the most important thing is for you to have peace with God. And when that begins to fill your heart, it impacts everything else in your life. Second question is, do you really believe that God's peace is for all people? When the shepherds saw their Messiah face to face, they went out and they told everyone. They couldn't keep that news to themselves. They wanted to share it. They wanted to shout it from the rooftops. Are there people in your life that you think, oh, they would never listen to this? They're just too angry. They're just too wrapped up in themselves. They're just too hateful. They can't possibly accept Jesus as their Savior. Well, guess what? People like that are just like you and me. All of us need to be saved by Jesus Christ. 
So don't put anybody on that naughty list and say they're not worth your time to talk to about Jesus Christ. Keep praying for them. Keep looking for opportunities. And think about who have you told the good news to lately. And then a, a final question is, are you a peacemaker or are you a troublemaker? When you walk into the room, do people say, here comes trouble? I'm sure I've heard that before. Do we offer peaceful solutions when problems come up? Or do we seem to enjoy disagreement and strife? That's become part of our culture, hasn't it? To argue and to complain about things. And God's calling us to let peace rule in our hearts. That's the opposite of complaining and arguing and fighting all the time. Do you really desire peace for others? And are you willing to help them find it in God? Mark's going to come. We're going to sing a closing song. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your perfect shalom, for your peace, the fullness, the creation that you gave us. Even though we recognize it's been marred by sin, we know that you are restoring that shalom, that you're bringing back that peace, that you will restore all things to yourself. Lord, let us rest in your peace. I pray that anyone that doesn't know you as Savior today would be the day that they would find peace with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us throughout the remaining weeks of this Advent season with all of the busyness, with all of the lists and things that we need to check off to keep coming back to you, to let peace truly reign and to be peacemakers with others. Now may God, the Father of peace himself, give you peace at all times in every way. May the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all in the name of our Savior, the Prince of Peace, I pray. Amen.